Hey Ian, you ready? I bet I am. What are we talking about tonight? And talk about guns? If it's not a 30 cal, I'm not in. Jeez, mate, that's not very inclusive. Have you seen Jono? Hey Jono, you ready? Well, God knows where he is, mate. He's probably caught up in the neighbour's wire again. Are you ready to go? Let's do this. Mate, I'm ready. Let's crank it up. Righto then. Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of the Hunter's Campfire, where we're going to talk about all things hunting and the great outdoors. And we'll probably throw in a few tips along the way. You want a tip? Say it once, say it a thousand times. Goats love rocks. Or a few things about deer. Mark, what do you reckon about deer? As a deer hunter, I love hunting pigs. Well, that's about as useful as I expected it to be. Oh, check it out. Here comes Jono. He's being chased by the neighbor's dog. Okay, guys, let's get this started. Welcome to the Hunter's Campfire. Pull up a chair, get comfortable. It's time for the Hunter's Campfire. Hey guys, Jono here. While we love having you here with us on this audio version, I highly recommend heading over to our YouTube channel to watch this episode where Mark, Ian and myself showcase a few of our favourite rifles. It's a whole other dimension when you can see what we're on about. Right, let's get to the campfire. That pause. That pause. Oh, <laughs> that pause. It's still paused. That's oh, right. Wow, it's really weird. Blur. Well, good evening, gents. How are you all today? Hello, Jono. I'm very well, thank you, mate. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. That's very good. I'm it's a glad. different night for us this this week. It's a Thursday night. Yes, it yeah. is. And you've actually just blown a post I did today. Because right. I was going to talk about how today was the 150 year of the Creedmoor event, but that's actually the 22nd, which is a Wednesday. So you just blown that. <laughs> Well, I'm sorry, mate. Oh, I wasn't aware of that. <laughs> oh, damn it. But anyway, so you yes. can start again if you want. No, well, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but yes, today for those who like to, you know, ear bash people who own Creedmoor, the the the, the white Creedmoor is all about. It's actually 150 years ago, yesterday, as in Wednesday, the 22nd of November, which was a, con- a competition at a farm. Which was the Creedmoor Farm, a rifle competition. So where that name comes from, and that's posted up on our uh, Facebook page, the uh, research document about it. The Irish team uh, challenged the US team to a shooting competition, and it was held. And that's where it all, that's how where that term comes from. That's that's where it's that's the history of it, and that happened 150 years ago yesterday. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Good. Yeah. You, I'm glad to see that. I'm glad to see you both read that post. <laughs> but I can't keep up with all the posts. So many posts. Yeah. So many posts. It's okay, though. It's entertaining. Especially uh, Mark driving home from the Pilliger. Yeah. Uh, I enjoy that. That, that. that got a good belly laugh. That did. I just want to know how they load that thing to start with. How do you oh, get a... it there? If you don't know what we're talking about, go and check out the Facebook page. Yeah. Um, a couple of ridiculous posts went up today, That's people the just... 23rd of November. Mm. So, so how do you look? I don't, I, that's what, when I see these things, I go, how do you start? How do you get there? How do you kind of go, okay, 
I'm going to load this ute, and what we're going to do is we're going to load this ute to the point where we crush it, and then we're going to have to figure out how to move it. It's just, man, yep. Um, I was amazed by it. So there we go. So this e, this is uh, what number seventy six? Because seventy six. Yes. Last the the, uh, the previous podcast is uh, seventy five, which is uh, Diamond Jubilee. I was actually going to take a use a picture of the Queen as the image rather than the seventy five, but I thought some some people might find that offensive. I think that might be a little bit offensive. Yeah, well, it is actually the Queen. Was that the you know, it was one of the recognised. But anyway, so yeah, so seventy five. So the next step is one hundred guys. So we're going to get to those triple figures. Looking forward to that. Mm, oh, yeah. That's going to be a celebration. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, for this evening, um, for those listening, we're going to have a show and tell. So we're going to have to be very descriptive in what we're what we're doing show and tell. But we'll also have the uh, YouTube ver- uh, version of this up, so you can actually see the video as well. And the show and tell is rifles. Which John, can you explain, to Ian, what a rifle is? Oh, please, <laughs> please. I had to laugh actually, since you're calling me out as being the uh, technical gumboot of the team, um, from a from a gun and rifle point of view. Um, we had someone contact us today about scopes and said, "I'd really value Jono and Mark's opinion on this, and I, I don't know if I should have been offended or not." But anyway, I, I sent them your direction. <laughs> yeah, that was, when I read that, that was pretty funny. That was hilarious, and. Just, my opinion. What was no. your name? What's his name? Jack. 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 Thank you, Jack. Thank Jack. You're a man. Yeah, Jack. Jack knows his stuff. He knows where he's he goes. He's, he's a, he's a, he's a right? very Point. solid supporter of this podcast. And clearly, if you want clearly, information, you know where to ask. You know. <laughs> if he was, for instance, if he wanted okay. to know about, you know, what's the best lamp luminance to use while spotlighting, he knows where to ask. Yeah, that's yeah, that's definitely one to uh, direct it in. That one. Not quite sure I could even answer that question. If you, know, if you want to know which brand of wire cutters are best for barbed wire fences, <laughs> I've got your answer yeah. for that one. That's for sure. <laughs> so yeah, so Jack, uh, glad we can help. And uh, my recommendation is uh, Suaro uh, the 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 Z five I. So I'm going to challenge that one a little bit. Of course you can. That's the idea. Yeah. So I am a huge fan of Swarovski. I have owned several Swarovskis. I still have a pair of Swarovski binoculars, which are amazing. Um, my good friend Austin, who is a professional deer color in the UK, shoots three, 400 deer a year, got me onto Swarovski, and he is now a Carl's he says they are by far and away the best optics you can get. They blow Swarovski out of the water. I have never owned a pair. I've never used a set of Kyle's before, so I'm going on his feedback, but I really, really value his his experience. He's a professional deer color, and he says you can't get better than Kyle's. Um, they're certainly way out of my budget, um, but I think, I think if I had the money, I would probably try the Kyle's. Ultimately, the reason I recommend the Swaro is Jack mentioned about weight. 
and the Z5 is yeah. not, is designed as a lightweight scope. So he wanted something that was also lightweight. Um, I re recommended that he look at Steiner, but he said, no, he said weight was his show. And I said, well, that's true, because Steiner, are, Steiner are, are generally a heavier glass. So if he, he wants lightweight, I thought the the Z5 was, was the, the, the pick of the two there when you considered weight as well. And, and I, I also... I, I think, yeah, I was going to say, I think... If you're I looking at quality optics, you can't go wrong with European. That's no, you, I think, that's I mean, we are we are kind of you know arm wrestling a little bit over quality. The other thing is too. Um, I suggested he go a different magnification though. Uh, the Z5 has a, um, I think it's a two to four by twelve. Because I don't think you really need eighteen in a hunting rifle. Well, he said he wanted something for long range. Yeah, but I, you can. I, I think twelve is plenty for long range if you're shooting a deer. If I was shooting, you know, a target, maybe not. But if I'm mm. shooting a deer, mm. that's, with a three hundred eight, twelve will be. Yeah, you I think a you've pretty, got a point there. Good, I mean, yeah, yeah. a three hundred eight. So thinking about ballistics, thinking about the size of the target. And thinking about the situation you're in, I think a twelve will get you pretty, pretty well right for um. In, and the in, thing in is what, too, what conditions you're talking about? You're talking about open open farm grazing country or in the bush? I'm talking distance. So if I wanted, if the target was a long way away, as in you know it was three hundred, four hundred plus, I think a twelve is still adequate for a a deer size target. Um, and I also think that the good thing I liked about the 12 is it goes down to a 2.4, which means that in those cases where you're in, you know, you're looking for Samba and they're, you're right on top of them, you can get down low as well. Turn and that's right that, yeah. that, two to, that 2 to 5 by 10, which is very common now, but that Swarovski actually had a 2 to 4 by 12. I think that is a pretty sweet hunting range. Mm. That is, uh, you know... That's yeah, and again, if you're shooting targets, that's a different thing, you know, where you know, you know there's five to twenty fives and stuff like that. But if I'm I'm shooting in a hunting, I'm, and and the, considering what the kind of hunting you're going to do, and so sometimes you might have long range, but sometimes you might be right in the scrub, so you need to be able to wind down. That I agree. Yeah, I think if if you're not if you're not scrub hunting, then you can afford to go bigger zoom. Mm. But you, you don't mm. want to sacrifice the low power. I no, know, I, I, most, most definitely, different. most definitely, and I actually think that the, to be honest, the better you get, the um, you know, the generally the closer you get to them before, yeah. you know, you get on top mm. of them. And um, uh, I reckon that was a mistake I made for the territory. I made, I loaded ammo for two hundred yards, and you know, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Those, those things weren't two hundred yards away. Well, I think I think that's a that's a trap for young players mm. uh, in general. You know, you go and get your first deer rifle, and and you think you need a telescope that goes on the top. Yeah, uh, you end up buying probably a cheaper product to get more zoom. Clarity's not that good, and then you sacrifice the low power because mm. everyone wants to be a sniper. Like it's, mm. it's it's how it is when you're young and you're buying your first rifle, and you you know you want to start this game. Um, yeah, I fell into that trap. Yeah, well, but the funny thing is, uh, his, you know, if you kind of you want to be a sniper now, you have a 
25 power, but if you want to be a sniper in World War Two, you have a four power. Interesting. <laughs> and they're little tiny skinny tubes yeah. and you're a sniper. You didn't have a lot of choice, mate. I reckon if you gave them no, one the thing, you know, if, But the thing is, if you think about it, you know, that's a sniper using a rifle that shoots about five MOI and it <laughs> worked. So, yeah. yeah, you know, it does the job. So, yeah. But I, I mean, I hunted for years with, you know, the one to sixes and the one to fives. Mm. And I, I thought, you know, and I shot game up to 300 yards with a, because I don't usually like to shoot beyond 300 yards. And the reason for that is because if I don't bang flop them, the, the space that they can move by the time it takes me to get up to them is considerable. So I try to, for me, I never try to shoot over 300 yards and I was comfortably able to sight a target with a Suaro one to six at 300 yards. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, me right, we're shooting big animals, you know, we're not yeah. shooting cans, we're shooting <laughs> a big thing. Yeah. I so, mean, for me growing up, the most common scope, was a three to nine by forty. Yeah, that's what that's everyone right. had. Well, that was it. That was it. That was a hunting scope. Three to nine yeah. by, four, by forty. And then, and then they got a bit exci- excited and they started making them in forty twos. Yeah, <laughs> just to be different. That's right. Massive, massive <laughs> increase of two mil in the land. Like, yeah, yeah, three by nine, but and there was those even those um, two to eight by thirty threes. <laughs> they were all they were called, you know, hunting scopes. They were. Lower, generally lower profile, smaller. Yep. So, so who's, start, who's starting? Well, Should we we'll do? I know we're talking about rifles, not guns, and I don't need to understand the difference between the two. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, but we're not just we're, this is not just just not just a gun porn episode. This is a, a story behind this. Yeah, why not? Why not? So, well, before we jump in, I actually want to say something thing about no. our audience and that looking at our demographics we've got a number of listeners from the united states um and canada and new zealand and other places too so if you're listening to us and you if you're from the united states you're from canada or you're from and or new zealand or any kind of combination of the three we're not going to hold that against you why don't you reach out and say hello and tell us who you are and what kind of hunting you do? We'd love to hear from you. Hmm. There we go. Good. And actually, anyway, if, let, let's 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 expand it. Say, if you don't live in Australia, if you don't live in Australia, <laughs> yeah, because I'm looking at it, we got Slovakia, Bulgaria, Denmark, France, United Kingdom, Ireland, India, Indonesia, Cook Islands. Had some good mates lived on the Cook Islands. If you're on the Cook Islands, give us a yell. Uh, there you go. So if you're yeah. listening to us overseas, i.e. not in Australia, uh, give us a yell. Love to hear from you. Okay. Right. So, gun porn time. Gun porn time. So uh, what are, the idea is what rifles do you have for what situation? So we're going to explain those rifles. So you've got two, Jono. I've got three, and Ian's got about a dozen, I think. He's got a whole battery of 100 <laughs> by the looks of things. That's it. There's only five. Five, okay. Oh, and a shotgun. So, look, the rest and, of so should we do like rock, paper, scissors as he goes first? You know. Uh, yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah, right. Let's, let's do, it. do it. 
So it's rock, paper, scissors. So it's Don't one, two, three, show. Okay. One, two, three, show. Okay. For Jono's team, team steal or tie. Yeah, let's one, see if I can make up for a team tie. Yeah. Two, one, two, three, show. Scissors. 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 Okay, <laughs> here we go again. Okay, I'm sure. Okay, we got this. One, <laughs> two, three. Jono's paused. Paper. Scissors, you're gone. Okay, on my own. Oh, John is up. John is rock. Uh, okay, so. How's uh, that work? Does Mark beat John? You kill me. Real, okay. Real that didn't work, did it? <laughs> no. That was the John perfect combination for not to work. How, how, how about John goes first? I'll yeah, go first. How's that? That's a, right. that was the perfect combination for this not to work. So for me, I have always been a bit of a generalist with my rifles. The first rifle I ever bought was a 308 because it could shoot almost anything that I could hunt in Africa. I couldn't afford dangerous game or, or anything like that, and I could take down any animal. I moved to the UK, and the first rifle I bought was actually a 7x57 or a 7mm Mauser. However, I struggled to get ammunition for it. Uh, it wasn't a very common caliber, so I actually traded it in and bought a beautiful Tika uh, T3. This is actually a T3, not a T3X. Super violent. I actually put it up on Instagram and Facebook quite recently. Moderator on the front. It's actually my favorite rifle I've ever owned, a nice heavy barrel. So I've always been a generalist, and I've always found that the 308 works perfectly for me. It's been able to take down pretty much any animal that I've wanted to hunt until just over 12 months ago we visited the Northern Territory. And all mm. of a sudden, things changed. And the target species were buffalo, donkeys, and pigs. And I felt that my little 308 might potentially be a little bit underpowered or maybe not underpowered. I think, as was proved by what Yin did, 30 cal could take down a buffalo, absolutely. But I wanted something a little bit different. So what did I do is I went out and bought myself a 9.3 by 6.2. I have a sour... 100 right here see that's my sour 100 in 9.3 by 6.2 and this one has actually got even quite a good story to it because when we got to the territory we went out in the first morning and we went walking up the creek line and i loaded the ammunition into the magazine and we walked up the creek and Mark was like there's a pig there's a pig and i went to go and chamber around and the round wooden chamber. So I ejected that one, tried another one. Wouldn't wouldn't chamber properly, but the bolt wouldn't close. Um, tried another one. Pig, obviously, by this point, had heard us and ran off. I then we then sat down under the tree and kind of had a break and something to eat. And we had a look at the ammunition and realised that it was actually nine point three by six two. Oh, sorry, six 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 tackle six six soccer, which was just you know that that. You know, it was at four mil difference. Makes all the, all the difference when it comes to ammunition, um, and the round wooden chamber. So mm. obviously, got rid of that. Got the uh, SMBs after that. The nine point three by six two SMBs. I think there were one for those mark one no two eighty grains. Two eighty two eighty six, which is the kind of grain. standard nine point three round. But after that, that rifle shot beautifully. Obviously, I shot a donkey with that, and now the donkeys. Well, as we spoke about recently, could take a lot of lead. Right. For those that aren't familiar with the Northern Territory story and the gun jamming incident, we'll insert the video right here 
for you to go and have a look. There'll be a no, snippet sure. here for you to see. Mark and Jono wondering what the is going on <laughs> What's there. What's going on? That's true. We Go do have that on video. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I was, I was trying to get the camera set up and everything. <laughs> and that was the first game animal we actually saw. It was the trip. first animal. Yeah. First morning, first game you know animal. Who, pig. You know who didn't miss that day? I didn't miss getting that on video. Just saying. It was great. <laughs> but, yeah, look, I mean, I bought this 9.3 specifically for Buffalo. Um, I'll put it up again. It has been slightly modified. I don't know if you guys can tell, but it certainly wasn't that color. When I first bought it, say, it's... and it's got a Picatinny rail now on it. Now, um, if everyone remembers, we had Byron from the Beretta Gun Shop on the podcast several episodes ago. I'm not sure of the exact one, um, but this sour actually went down to Byron and it went down to their workshop, and they cerakoted it for me in a beautiful. Um, I think it's a graphite color. Mm. Um, they cerakoted the. Um, the Picatinny rail, and they've mounted that for me. And like Mark posted recently with the uh, magazine, I also had my magazine Cerakoted Blaze Orange with the graphite bottom. Really good. Great. I'm not going to lose that in the dark. Mm. Um, but yeah, why did I choose the 9.3? Yep, there we go. It's a, it's a different color by the looks of it. Slightly different color. Yeah, it's a bit brighter, isn't it? Hmm. Different camera. Maybe. 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 But why did I go 9.3? So in Africa, the minimum caliber for dangerous game is is a 3.75. And um, I contemplated getting a 3.75 because, you know, it's a a caliber that I could then take to Africa and I could use to hunt dangerous game. However, I found the supply of 3.75 rifles in Australia is a bit limited. There's not that many of them around. And ammunition supply was also... um, you know, it's harder to get hold of. I don't reload. I have reloaded in the past. I don't reload at the moment. I have a reloading kit packed away in my in my shed somewhere. I haven't unpacked it in ten years. Um, why? Because I think factory ammunition is really good these days, and and generally it's easily available. But I went for the nine point three because of that heavy bullet. Um, it's um, you know, it's really packing a, a punch when it comes to those dangerous game animals. So some countries will actually allow you to shoot dangerous game with a nine point three despite them saying minimum colors are 375. Um, so it's a lot less recoil than a 375, but it still packs a good punch. You can shoot a heavy bullet. I'm shooting, I'm shooting 286 grains out of that, um, and it performed beautifully. I shot a two buffalo, shot the donkey. Um, didn't shoot a pig, unfortunately, but I think it's a, a fantastic caliber, and I, I chose it specifically for the territory. I think I will take it off to reds at some point i think it'll work pretty well in the raw where you're generally shooting the um, the red stags up close they're roaring you can get it nice and close i think that'll it'll it's a really good knockdown power i know we're talking about scopes um and low magnification i had mark i had your swarovski one to six by 24 i think it was mm-hmm. mounted on that for um for the territory trip and that's a beautiful scope for that rifle it's, it's nice low powered i mean i shot mine I think the first one was at about 60 meters uh and the second one was about 80 meters i think i had it on three power on the scope didn't need anything more than that nope um and i love it i, I think it doesn't kick i know ian you disagree with that you think it kicks quite hard i think um i think the reason it kicked me hard was because the length of pull was different 
everything mm. kicks harder in a in a range situation. You're not standing upright. It's not quite shouldered perfectly, the same as it would be if you were standing upright or in a you know in a in a field position, and it just it just didn't fit me well, so it belted me, um, which made me scared of it. Which means I don't want to shoot it ever again. And then just commenting on on the rifle itself. So the Sal 100, that's the the classic that I've got. Um, I think it's a beautiful rifle. I think it's well made. My only real complaint on it is the bolt. Um, and the way that the bolt actually fits in, I find it, it's actually very easy to decock the bolt um, as you're inserting it. So you take it off the spring. Um, oh, okay. And it's, yeah, and it's actually quite a mission then to get it back onto the spring. So on my Tika, I was always taught that if you're storing your rifle, you actually take the pressure off the spring. Otherwise, the spring is under constant tension. Uh, it can actually cause the spring to decompress. Yep. I know modern yep. rifles, you don't really have to do that. But I was always told... If you're storing a rifle and not shooting it very often, you take the tension off the spring. And Tika's is actually quite easy. You can just turn the back of the bolt and it reduces the tension on the spring. Um, with the sour bolt, it does it itself quite easily. Um, and it's very hard to get that tension back on. Mm. Mm. So that's, I actually had to Google it. And there was a I've video never on. heard about taking this tension off the spring. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Yeah. So I know, I've actually, heard that you shouldn't store ammo in magazines because it flattens the spring in the ammo. The same thing. Oh, yeah, the, but the, the ammo flattens the spring in the magazine, mm. you know, com- it overly compresses it so they don't lie. But I've never heard about it, the actual yeah. bolt spring. Mm. So I actually, the first rifle I ever bought was a Creco 308. And I actually had issues with the, the firing pin, the spring inside it was actually really, really had lost wow. its spr- springiness. Um, and after that, uh, the, the gunsmith that I saw, he was a custom gun, gun maker as well. He always said the best thing to do if you're not shooting it very often is to store it with attention. It's not as Just... easy as it sounds for some bolts, though. No, and that's what I'm so, saying. So my tika is really easy. This The sour is not. So if you yeah. just basically dropped it onto a... Um, uh, uh, you know, a dummy round like a practice cap. round. That, yeah, yeah you could do a cap. Yeah, then then that'd take the tension. There's out still a little bit of tension on the on the on the spring, so um, it's still it's still holding quite a bit of tension on it. So that when you cock it, it then pulls the spring back even further. Um, you can actually release it further. Um, yeah, well, the tension is you got the little yeah you yeah can... the little notch notch in it. And when yeah. I bought my my super bomb, it actually came with a little. Some tool of them, so there's a little tool so that you that could wraps undo it. Correct. And, yep. And yeah. that's and then that's what I was taught was always when you're storing your bolt, undo the, the tension on the spring. Um, I yep. don't do it anymore because I shoot a lot more frequently. No. Maybe never, it's something never, I should get never, back into. Never heard of that one. Mm. Shotguns are the same. Supposed to decock. Yeah, I know. Well, yeah. Especially, but well, we're not talking about guns, so carry on. We're not talking about shotguns. Yeah, shotguns, especially field shotguns that yeah they close to close to fire. Yep. Yeah, you two mm. caps and pop, pop. Yep. Yep. And then yep. you're still supposed Double to reduce, reduce the tension even more. Top. So yeah, on the for instance, on my silver pigeon, you um, you put your um, snap caps in, you release them, and then there's actually a way to release the tension even further. You hold the little lug in, and then you drop the um, the, the cocking pin, and it actually mm. reduces the tension even more. Oh, on okay, the, there you go. Yeah, so you are supposed to do that. There you really go. just take that tension off your springs because over time, if the t- if the spring is under tension for too long, it yep. could potentially cause it Slugging to, to lose its yeah. Yep, so you yeah, could always buy a Beretta shotgun and forever servicing will take care of that for you. Mm-hmm. They're good like mm-hmm. that. They are good. They would only come to Queensland. A bit more they often. do come to Queensland. Yeah, they a bit do. More often. 
Yeah, they come out to the Roma. They do the Roma shoot. Exactly on my back door, is it? Oh, well. Get a free service. Chat to the boys at Beretta. Where's yeah. the drive? Oh, yeah. And look, I mean, I've got a Beretta shotgun. Um, it was my 40th wedding present from my wife. It was a Beretta. beautiful Beretta shotgun. So, hmm. Lovely. Love that thing. Yeah. Mark, first rifle? Uh, okay, so the first rifle I'm going to talk about, not the first rifle I've ever owned. So, the, or was that, are you asking about the first rifle I've ever owned? No, no, no. The first rifle first you, you want to talk about. Okay, so I'm going to talk about my 3006, which is a Tika T3. Now, I don't actually own any non-custom rifles, I've realised. So this is a customised Tika T3. So I got this back in 2008. took me nine months to get. Um, And I learned a valuable lesson about PTAs, folks. Don't get your PTA until the rifle's in the country because they only last for 90 days and they keep running out while your rifle's not in the country. So... Get your PTA when the rifle's in the country. So uh, this started life as a stainless hunter um, in left hand. That's why it took me that long to get because at the time when Tika were making the T3s, they were doing them in runs. And since I wanted the 3006 left hand, I had to wait for the 3006 left hand run to come back through because there was none available. So it took that long to get. So uh, it started life as a stainless hunter and just about most of the stuff, a lot of the stuff's been changed. So what's been changed is the stock, if you can see the stock, is a custom stock. Um, And in that, what I mean by custom stock is I went to a custom stock builder and with my wife and we spent two hours picking the right kind of timber. And she had a ball. Yeah, literally in the little squirt gun and you rub it on and see what this, the grain's going to look in. You know, it's fantastic. So we went and did that and then then they take your measurements and then you don't see your rifle for three months and they occasionally mm-hmm. send you pictures of, of its development. So this is really built just for me. So the actual pull's longer. This is about a 14-and-a-half-inch pull. So it's longer than a normal uh, uh, Tika. Um, it's also got a pancake cheek plate, which is on the left-hand side, which is where it should be, as in for a left-hand shooter, like that. Um, action and barrel have been Cerakoted a, uh, some, I think it's called Midnight Black, so it's the closest thing they've got to looks like a, um, a blue, um, a shiny blue, so it looks like a, like a traditional English shiny blue. The timber in the stock is Afghan walnut with, um, uh, what's the name, New Guinea ebony. So there's New Guinea there and New Guinea ebony there. Um, the trigger assembly is an Atlas trigger assembly. So that's, and the magwell is an Atlas um, magwell. So that's been upgraded. So it's metal because the ones on the, T3s were plastic or the composite plastic. I usually run the short mag in it, so it's a flush mount. Unless I'm in the pillager, then I put the five shot in there. Um, the rear of the bolt for on the old 
was plastic again on the Tika T3s. So, and that used to break after a while. So that's a metal one. Uh, it ran the Tika um, rings for a while because Tika rifles used to come with a set of aluminium rings and they tended to fail on 30 cals. I got about five or six years before they started to fail, but these are Optilox. Um, and it's currently been running this Predator 4 Steiner scope for a couple of years, which is actually a really fantastic scope. Um, it's 2 to 5 by 10, um, illuminated reticle, but it's not a dot. It's illuminated cross. Uh, what else is on there? Uh, Trigger's had a little bit of work. Um, Serico, stop. Da, 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 da. Uh, even the sling is a... Can you see it? No, you can't see it. It's a, oh, you can maybe. It's a Holland and Holland sling that I bought from Holland and Holland in England because that was the only thing I could afford to buy in Holland, <laughs> Holland was a sling. So, yeah, so she runs a, a Holland, Holland, Holland and Holland leather sling. It's a tack driver. Um, it's so been... What was the scope that you've got uh, on? The scope is a Predator 4, 2 to 10, oh. uh, two, two and a half to 10 by, I think it's by 44. And it's your go-to rifle for what? This is my deer rifle. So right. this uh, gets, I actually, I know it sounds a bit silly, but I've actually got almost too many knife rifles now. So this, I don't use this as much in a way as I like to, not because I don't have the opportunity, it's just that I've got other things that I use. So that's my deer rifle. I carry that in, in you know, March and April. Brisbane Valley. Um, I will. So it's tack driver. It's a and it's actually a remarkable rifle in that sense. You can just literally pick it up and take it to the range before deer season and put three rounds in it and go. Why to bother driving out here? You know, it's that reliable. What I'm doing with that particular rifle is I'm moving that up to 180 grain projectiles. Those um, normal oryx. I'm going to start running those in there. So I'm going to lift it up because I usually run 150 grains. I'm going to run it 180 and I'm going to zero them in for 200. So I'm going to make that my 200 yard deer rifle. So it's going to be, that's, it's going to be, that's what that is for. And I'll carry it in the Brisbane Valley. The weird thing, or one of the things that people are surprised about when they get to see this rifle is it's actually how light it is. That timber is not heavy at all. It looks heavy. Yep. Yeah, no, it yeah, looks, it looks, looks, looks like a big, dense, heavy rifle. Dense, yeah, it's, yeah. it's not. It's actually really light, surprisingly light for for for, for what it is, for the quality of that rifle. Um, I've hunted hunted everywhere with that rifle except for Northern Territory. Um, boy, it's killed a lot of stuff. Mm. Um, it's a fantastic rifle. That's uh, The only downside is my boy's unlefthanded. So, we'll talk about the BRX later. Yeah, that's it. It's not. What about you? What about you, Ian? What's your uh, first choice? Well, I'll, zip, I'll zip through the, my first rifle um, uh, first, and then I'll show one that I brought. Um, so my first rifle. I've talked about this before. Walked into the local gun shop, told them I wanted to be a deer hunter, uh, and I walked out of there with well, not quite that day, but uh, with a two seventy. So it was a Remington seven hundred two seventy. Um, as bog standard as they could possibly get, black plastic stock glued rifle did the job really well. Um, thought I was a sniper, bought this, it's great. 
uh, 5 to 12. No, it's not. It's 5 to 15, and it was the Bushnell Elite at the time, 3,200. And um, I put that on the top of it, and off to the range I went, sighted that in, and it was my trusty rifle for a long time. Very, very quickly worked out that 5 power was way too much for my minimum option, um, given that we were stalking around in the bush chasing red, red stags um, in the Kilcoy area. So, um, but I persevered, um, took my first deer in Australia with that rifle and many after that. And, you know, it's done a, a reasonable job and it sits up in, in the safe uh, at home and it doesn't get a lot of use anymore. It'll eventually be my young fella's rifle when um, he's looking for his first one to go deer hunting. Chose the 270 at the time because it was the minimum cal for Samba and I wanted something that I could take um, you know, most of the Australian deer species with and um, every, all the talk was Samba at the time. Yes, there were reds and fallow and bits and pieces, but everyone was talking about Samba and I just figured I was going to go and chase Samba. That's why I was going to get into hunting and um, I had to keep myself up really to suit that. So that was that. Um, the first one that I brought here, and it's been my go-to rifle since I upgraded to from that one. One moment. Was that Remington, a um, the SPS? CDL, yep. isn't it? No, it's uh, CDL was the better quality one. That's the wooden stock one, is a CDL. Yeah, yeah. CDL, yeah. And, gen- and often with a um, uh, stainless barrel, the CDL. So this rifle. was my first purpose rifle. Purpose, I mean, the other one had purpose, but this was after I'd spent a bit of time and I knew kind of what I wanted to do, so I went and bought the Tika uh, uh, T3X Lite. Um, it's fluted. Unlike Mark, I don't have a rifle that is custom. So this is a this this is a Tika stock. It has a Tika, whatever the hell you called that. Every other part on here is a Tika. I didn't go to Holland and Holland and get a sling. It doesn't even have a sling. I don't like carrying slings. Um, in fact, I've taken them off now that I carry cameras and um, you know bino rigs have become a big thing. I find that slings get in the way. Even the safari style slings get in the way. Um, but on a on a trip to New Zealand, um, my uncle at the time had uh, the scope, was the Sig Sawyer BDX combo scope that paired by Bluetooth to uh, a rangefinder. So once you'd set up your ballistics profile, you could hit the button and it would give you a holdover position. And when we were shooting in the Southern Alps, um, uh, he was the only one that had a uh, an electronic style scope and he had a mad advantage over most of us. So um, not that he took like he took a deer that trip um, and he probably took that deer over um, somebody else because they, they didn't have the ability to range it quickly across a gully at, you know, four to 500 metres. Um, so um, I sort of came back and went, oh, there's technical scopes. That's a cool idea. And I went and saved up my dollars and I put this one on here. And it was, it's was it been a great package for me. I uh, took quite a few deer with this. Um, the other reason I decided on that scope specifically was we were doing a lot of mentor hunting um, with our uh, our club. So we were taking a lot of new guys out for their first animal, and I found that having a scope that could automatically range for me was a good backstop option for me if something went wrong with, with the new guy's first shot, wounded an animal, and I needed to try and take it out quickly. Um, so that's what I did with that. Um, I love this rifle. It's a great rifle. The Tikas are really well, you know, built um, out of the box. They're, they're great. Um, and again, I don't tend to customize much other than sticking accessories like these on them to give yeah, me awesome. you know, those sorts of things. Um, but that's all I need to say about that. Uh, this one is in um, 7mm Rem Mag. 
Um, so, you know, it was a caliber that I quite liked. A lot of the guys that I was hunting with were using seven mils. Um, so they were in vogue at the time and it's pretty much probably why I selected good it. It's a, good, it's, a good, it's a good caliber. Mm. Um, I really do like the rifle. Sadly, it spends most of its time on the wall in the room. Um, it doesn't, in the safe, it doesn't get out much anymore. Um, it will do, but for now I'm mm. playing with other things. Mm. That's my first I think everyone should own this caliber at least is a twenty two. Oh yes. So this is a German Krico twenty two, which not many people have heard of the Krico, which is K R I C O. I actually own two Krikos, which considering most people have never heard of it, um the first rifle I ever bought was a 308 Krico, which I still own to this day in South Africa. Um, and I did put a post up on that showing the rifle. And I wasn't actively looking for a 22, but Pine River's gunsmith, Mark, I know you know them, the mm-hmm. Pine yeah, River's yeah. gun shop, they're they in Wilton. They no yep. longer exist, unfortunately. No. But they had this 22 in their shop for about six months and they couldn't get rid of it. And it's in pretty good nick. Like the. Um, the barrel needs to be redone, and I think I'll probably send it down to Byron at some point to get it Cerakoted. But as soon as I saw the brand, and it just, you know, for me, it's got huge sentimental value. It's a beautiful rifle. It's super accurate, um, and I bought it. I think it cost me $250 for that rifle. Um, and for me, it's it's a caliber that every, every person should own. To take it out to the range and shoot all 50 rounds is nothing. Um, my kids... It's going to be there, the rifle that they learn to shoot on. I hope, anyway. I hope they're keen. Um, but my wife shot it. She loves it. She's actually a pretty good shot. Um, and for me, it's just it's just the perfect little rifle. It's so accurate. I've got it zeroed at 50 meters. I can take it down to the range, and I'm guaranteed just to shoot, you know, smaller than MOA groups on that thing. I absolutely love that rifle. Um, I haven't shot game with it yet. I did have on... Which trip was that? Yeah, I think... Yeah, there we go. There's the invitation. Um, no, I think it was on the the slam video, mm-hmm. the slam trip, where we um, we saw some bunnies on the way back yeah. to camp, and I had a shot yeah. at one that one night. And I, I missed it, um, and I realized afterwards the car was still idling, and I was resting off the mm-hmm. off, off the car, and yeah. that's why it was doing this in the uh, in the scope. That's how every farmer shoots them, mate. You're right. <laughs> Um, but that's the only shot I've ever had a game on that. Otherwise, it just goes to the range, and I just have fun with it. So definitely keen to shoot some game with it. Shoot some bunnies with that would be awesome fun. Um, I love it. I think the twenty-two is just the classic caliber, um, and hopefully one day that goes to my, my my son. That's where I want it to go. He's already expressed an interest in it. He's just I mean, he needs to be old enough to have his license. So I think I've got four years to go, um, and then that'll be the first rifle he shoots to shoot with um, but yeah it's just this beautiful old german beautiful timber on it as you can see the barrel needs a little bit of work i'll definitely be sending that off to to byron but to be honest i want to try and keep it it's pretty good it's just the the you know the, the blue on the barrels slightly worn off um i think the previous owner didn't look after it very well but i kind of like keeping it original that's for me it's it's an original rifle um i don't really want to change it and the brand just really holds something sentimental to me. Whilst we're on 22s, because I don't think Mark brought a 22 to show. Uh, and a 22. Oh. I it have doesn't... a Russian Toz. 
If it doesn't have a three, if it doesn't have a three in it, I don't know. This is a Russian Toz. Yeah. No I, man killer at both ends. I don't know anything about the Russian Toz. It could be a really amazing twenty-two. Not bad. It could be not a bad. giant heap of whatever. Um, I was gifted by somebody a uh, twenty-two, and it was a Sportco yep. from the Kmart mm-hmm. jobby from years ago. Uh, and the entire thing, except the barrel, was plastic. Hmm. The trigger guard was plastic. The trigger was plastic. Everything around it was plastic, and it had a plastic stock, and it shot perfectly. I could sit on my veranda back at the farm. This is a farm I used to own, and I could shoot bottle tops off the top of a post without even being able to see the bottle tops through the scope. I just knew where they were, and I could plink them off the top of it. It was just deadly accurate. It was so good. But then all the plastic broke one day. All the whole thing fell a bit. So I took all of the pieces to the gun shop and traded it for a Russian Toz. Not because it was, I only realized it was a Russian Toz because I'm looking at the writing now. I had no idea what it was. I just wanted a little 22 for the farm. So they had this thing and um, it already had this beautiful Nico Sterling scope on it, mm-hmm. as you see here, um, which, you know, how on the front of these things you, you, uh, you, you change it for. You know, 25 yards, 50, 75, 100, you know, and then it's got the infinity symbol at the end of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, there you go. Mine, only, mine is only clear on infinity. It doesn't work on any of the other settings. So, it's, so that's your parallax, by the way. Yeah, no, yeah. Um, Anyway, you're right. 22s. I think you've got, you've got to have one, especially you've if you've got access to go and, and, and shoot bunnies. I love the idea that you can just go out with 50 rounds and it costs you almost nothing and you can mm-hmm. just put some time in behind a little trigger and, and, and have a lot of fun with it. My son will get to use this at some point. He's got to turn 11 first. Yep. And while we're talking about that, just to cha- just a minor, minor deviation of subject, uh, talking to a fella about, um, about whether you can take your kids shooting in Queensland uh, supervised. And most of us, including me at the time, believed, like all dads for history, you know, teach their kids to shoot under supervision on the farm, right? It's just what sort of happens, how you learn rifle safety and all those sorts of things. Well, in Queensland, you can't do that. You're not allowed. No one, if you don't have a license in Queensland or New South Wales or Victoria, the only place you're allowed to use a rifle is supervised by an RSO at a range. You're not allowed under supervision to shoot it on a farm, no matter how old you are. If you don't have a license, you're not allowed to touch it. The only um, um, caveat to that in Queensland only, and not New South Wales or Victoria, but in Queensland, if you're a primary producer and for work purposes, um, you need to supervise either uh, your son or daughter over 11 years old or a worker, you're allowed to supervise them for the purpose of training them how to use a rifle to put um, an animal down or something like that. But that is it. You've got to be a primary producer, and it's got to be for actual work purposes, not culling or anything like you know, not um, not not hunting deer. So that's a really interesting point to know. But anyway, twenty-two. I like it. It's good. This one's in pretty average condition, but I'll end up doing it up and um, keeping it for years. I hope. There you go. Mark, what's, what what do you get next? I don't have a twenty-two. Um, I am buying one at the moment for my boy who is turning eleven next year. Um, HMR, seventeen HMR, seventeen HMR. No. I've owned one. They are. It's a 
It's a loud crack, though. It's loud. Very mm. loud. Yeah, very louder loud. than the 233? Yes. Yes. In a way. Massive. It's a kind of a different kind crack. of. It's a different cut. Yeah. yeah it's a very a, sharp crack. Yeah. It's like, a, you know, like uh, you got when you with those um, 22 250s, that kind of zinging. Loud e- crack. It is an ear, awesome caliber. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. 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 <laughs> What do you think? Let's go back to the 22 for a second. Um, so on the farm, going out, you know, I knock a bunny. Probably could do use it on a fox, but I'm going to use the 223 if I'm chasing foxes. We can talk about that in a minute. Um, what do you think the effective range of a 22 is? For me, are you objective, shooting? I know. Yeah, 70 general. Yeah, uh, 50 to 75 metres maximum. For yeah, me. that's, that's mm. my, that's yeah. what I would think. Yeah. Maximum. Uh, I mean, I'm in... super accurate at 50, but after that, it starts And then you're absolutely susceptible to weather. You know, a little bit of wind, you know, stuff's going a bit sideways on you. Uh, Mark, you had a different opinion? No, I, I, look, for most people, I mean... I'm talking averages. If you're shooting a quality 22 that's accurate and you've got it dialed in and you're shooting good ammo, you could probably deliver a kill shot out to 100 yards. Still pretty um, sure. Right? That's, it's on a rabbit, You could go further, but I wouldn't feel comfortable anywhere doing that. Um, you hit a fox in the head with a twenty you you'll kill it. Um, yep. You just got to hit it in the head. Uh, when I was in England, one of the guys I was, who were, who's one of the leases I was hunting one, which is actually where they filmed Downton Abbey. It's not Downton Abbey. It's the place where they filmed Downton Abbey. Mm. I was on that property. On that property or on the border of that property is uh, a caravan where a, a, a gypsy lives, a real gypsy lives in the caravan. And uh, they quite like this guy because he really looks after the place. He's been there for a long time. His camera is just basically off the side of the road. And I think they were talking to him once, and or or some, one of his acquaintances who had a uh, you know basically shot deer with a twenty two all his life, you know. So that's what he shot deer with. Oh um, yeah, so, of course you can. So that's like, it. I mean, I, that's it. It's it. It's how close you are and what you where you're putting that plug. But for I most people, for, um, I use it for not you know for uh, knocking sheep over when I want to. Yeah, put, or, when I, or, up, I know. Yeah, you're within it. twenty meters. That's it. I can so. Start it's where you what you're doing with it. I mean, I'm getting the boy a 22, but I'm going to get a lever action because I like lever actions, and also, being but by the fact that he's a righty and I'm a lefty, I want a rifle that we can sit the range and learn together and move across together. So yeah, I actually did have a CZ um, four five two deluxe, so with the Bavarian four five two. Yeah, um, it was a beautiful rifle. Um, uh, I picked it. I uh, picked up the Stevens and Sons, which was a gun shop out towards the range here at Belmont that closed down years ago. I walked in there on a Saturday afternoon, and there it was. And I went, "Yeah, I'll take that." Um, it was a righty. It was a fantastic rifle. Shot, shot brilliantly. Um, I moved it on because it just wasn't. I wasn't doing anything with it. So, but what I am doing with is this rifle now. This rifle is a rifle that I built with SSAA and Beretta Australia. And it's pretty hard to see, but it's actually got a SSAA 
in Signa on it, which is something that Byron did. Byron built this rifle from scratch. He was the guy who led the construction project. How it came about was um, unbeknownst to me. In a lot of, and what I mean by that is they didn't really give me a rundown of what was happening. I got invited to a meeting to discuss a rifle build between Brethren SSAA, and all of a sudden it was like, so, Mark, what do you want? I went, uh, 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 I beg your pardon? And it kind of went from there. And I, when I built this thing, I always had this fear that I was going to build the homomobile, you know. I was going to build this thing that was had all the bits on it but didn't work. So this is using um, readily available materials. This is a really a custom rifle. So it's a CDR, the Tika uh, T3X CTR in 308 lefty um it's got the threaded barrel like the other like all ctrs and it uses that seiko magazine system which is a little now people reckon they could people complain about that but actually when you talk to the guys at seiko it's supposed to do that it's supposed to be loose it was designed for cold weather in and out so it's 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 actually supposed so you can actually take that out of it. What it does, it slows the change right down. It was supposed to be for for a quick change. So it actually, by very nature, is a bit loose. And the magazine's got that wonderful big rubber foot plate, which acts like a really good rest. Hmm. So and it's got Byron's uh, fluoro mag in there. So this is. So what have we got here? Is we've got a Ranger Six scope that's been. Uh, color coded to match all the other metalwork so the uh action and barrel and scope are all one color the rings are a slightly different color they give it some um uh contrast um even put redid the steiner brand once they sericated it so they put the steiner back on um so it's they asked if i wanted a different barrel i went i stayed with the 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 um cdr barrel which is kind of like a a, a semi a semi sporter barrel so it's slightly heavier than a than a true sporter um the stock is a mesa stock and it's got quite a sharp or what they call a vertical grip so it's quite a straight grip it's also quite big People often kind of go, well, that's a bit too, but it seems to fit my hand really well. The stock is uh, Monte Carlo-esque. It's not a true Monte Carlo, but it's very Monte Carlo-esque. So it's got that, which means it's got that higher comb in there and it drops down at the back. That's something that um, Weatherby really made their own when they made the rifles. It's for us dudes with long necks. That's what it's for. Um, so composite fiber stock in um the the pattern there which is a, what they call an um, uh, altitude pattern it's got a um a natural grip right so it's not check it it's got a gripping there on on the pistol grip quite wide pistol grip right through to the color coded um metal and, it, and I'm, I'm currently running that new magazine in it which is the um the blaze orange and the sling on it is a dingo leather sling which is an australian leather leather company so that's a 308 and that is set up based on the idea of you know maximum point point blank for a 150 grain pill which means it's basically about two and a half inches high uh, no it's a bit slight, about three inches high at 100 
about one and a half inches higher, um, 200, and somewhere between 275 and 300 yards, it falls below three inches below. So it shoots a six, the idea it can shoot a six inch box without adjustment out to around 275 yards. So in most cases, you pick it up and you point it at something, medium-sized game, goat, pig, deer, and you aim for the vitals, you're going to hit it in the vitals. So it's that kind of all-round, do-it-all type of rifle. It's a great state forest gun because, mm. it, you know, it's a 10-round magazine. It's a double stack. So it carries a heap of ammo. Of course, it obviously adds to the weight for it. But um, it's not... It's a light rifle. It's it was wasn't designed to be a lightweight rifle. It was designed to be a more of a you could use this rifle anywhere. So it was a real. It was an idea of trying to build, um, a, you know, a general purpose rifle, which is almost a, a kind of trap to fall into because you know you always get a situation where it's not perfect. But the idea was it was be as perfect as it could be in any situation you'll find yourself in Australia. That was the idea. Um, crack, cracking rifle for the Pelliger. Yeah, it's 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 been a cracking rifle for everywhere. It's I it, you know it, it's it's just it works. You uh, the CTRs, the, the CTRs, even the, even the layman can see that um, the detail that Byron's put on that. Mm. You know, you've obviously given him some some pointers as to what you were looking for, but to 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 even redo the the Steiner logo yeah. where after he's recolored the contrasting rings, all of that sort of stuff. It's it's so well detailed um just to look at i think it's it's, it's an impressive but it could and uh it's got a um a, its name we even named it and the name is indy i n d i and that name was it was indy as in it was um in an individual rifle but what it was really named for, Indy, which is um, shows how much of a nerd I am, it was named after. So for those who know, they the seen the TV series or read the books about the character Horatio Hornblower, who was a sailor in the uh, British, uh, the Royal Navy during the near uh, war with Napoleon. Um, he sailed on a ship called the Indefatigable, which means, uh, which is uh, never tiring. And in the book, they called the ship the Indy. So that's what that's for, never tiring. That was the, That's what the name refers to. So that's why it's the Indy. And yeah, None of my it's, guns are names. Yeah, well, that's, no, only, that's, only, that's only nine. That's only, that's, they asked me, what would you name it? I'm like, oh, like you know, something, you know, Call of the Wild or something like that. And I thought, <laughs> no, it's what it is, it's, it's never tiring. So it's indefatigable. So that's the, uh, which is why it's the Indy, because you couldn't put that not enough room to write that on there. So Ooh. that's uh yeah, that so that was part of a three three um each month over three months lead story for double S double A. And it was part of a two rifle build. Gemma built the other rifle. And earlier this year with Joe from um our friend DPI Joe. Uh DPI Joe and Gemma and I went hunting and Gemma took the rifle that she built with Beretta and we took that one we got them to, and that was the first time we had them both together in the field. Very good. Yeah. Bien, what have you got? I'll, I'll start with my uh, – I've got three left to show. 
um the the ones i've shown so far are really just the oh and other than the 22 i guess i still use that but these are the ones i'm currently using um let me just grab one one sec the one i put up on instagram today so this one's come out of retirement i bought this rifle uh, it's another 700, but it's the Varmint version mm. of the 700. Uh, I bought this one because it was the same platform as the first one that I got sold, and I really enjoyed using that rifle, but this one's a lot heavier. It's been on the shelf for eons, but I purchased this at the time because I was doing a lot of dog shooting around the area for the neighbours, and um, I wanted something um less expensive in a 223 so that's what i was what i was chasing dogs with boxes with and occasionally you'd knock a bunny or two over um if they were running around but this it's the same remington 700 platform um it's as standard as it gets it's a standard plastic horrible stock um but it does the job and it gets knocked about and it goes in the polaris now and it just goes around the property it's now um it's now got the infrared tube thermal on it that I'm starting to have a look at. Uh, and that's this is the rifle that I'm going to put most of the thermal things that we try uh, try out on because it's going to get the most use. Uh, we've got quite a few foxes and wild dogs and bunnies and things around, and it's the most practical thing for me to do in, to, for me to be using for that task. Um, nothing more I can tell you about this. It's very bloody heavy, and it's good to lean on the edge of the side-by-side. That's um, pretty much where it is. I'll leave the tube alone for now, um, suffice, other than to say it's their latest uh, version 2 of the TH50. It's an excellent thermal scope, day-night scope. Um, more, to, more to come on that. Mm. Great calibre, 33. It is a good calibre. Yeah, definitely for that vitamin stuff. Have you ever seen the um, uh, Remington 700 VTR? It was a really oh, weird that. one they brought out. It's the barrel is almost triangular. I have seen it. Yeah, and okay. they came out in green with black trim. I, ne I never saw them in any other color of green black trim. And the barrel was this kind of not triangular, but it's very triangular like. And it actually had um, uh, three cuts in it to act as a like a muzzle brake. So it was like yep. a f had a factory muzzle brake on the barrels. It was a really, really weird rifle. And I, I actually knew someone who owned one, and a little while ago I saw one for sale. I went, wow, you just you didn't see a lot of them, but they were really interesting. Because that 700 series, there's so many variations of that 700 series. Yeah. And look, it's a pretty solid platform. Yeah, People well, it is. Like mm. it. Um, there's Remington 700. There's nothing about it. There's no. nothing special about it it's just a tried and tested platform um you know it doesn't seem to have a, a lot of you know um i mean you still buy the same one today as you could mm. have bought years mm. ago uh it did a good job but um i think i like i said i bought the 223 because it was the same platform that i already had i don't know um you kind of stick with what you know at the time and yeah. i was still fairly new into into shooting and hunting in Australia, so I was just sort of relying on the little bit of knowledge that I had, and that worked really well. And it'll stay with me. It's it's a good rifle. The varmint barrels. I mean, it'll just just keeps on shooting. So um, it's really good. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, there's the Ruger. I think it's the M77. There's the Remington 700, and there's the Savage 110. These are, you know, their actions that kind of came out in the 50s and 60s, and the, mm-hmm. that they just built their their whole range on those actions. So yeah. The other reason that I bought the uh, I I changed from the 700 was when I started doing state forest hunting. Mm. Um, it's it's got a floor plate in it. It doesn't have a box mat. Mm. It's got a floor plate in it. And when you're going through um, exclusion zones and, and areas yeah. all the time, you've got to, yeah. you've got to drop your your uh, the rounds out. And it's just a pain in the neck doing that with a floor plate. Pulling a mag out is way easier than doing that. Yeah, um, so I, about then I started to think, you know, I'd rather have a magazine. Uh, also, I was doing a little bit of um, um, roo shooting, you know, tag roo shooting, things like that, and having to top load, uh, yeah. all, you know, after after what four rounds or something like that, having to top load some more rather than just pulling another magazine out, clipping it in the bottom, it was just a pain in the neck. Um, there were times when we were out where, where other guys had magazines and they had a buddy with them, and their buddy was loading the magazine and he was shooting, and I was, you know, top loading. Yeah. And, it was just just became a pain in the neck. Um, now I do understand with that series you can pull the um, pull the, the plate off it and get a aftermarket mm. magazine for them. I uh, hadn't got around to doing that. Was always a little bit dubious about buying gun parts online um, without not having the knowledge of what worked and what didn't because there were options and I didn't really understand the options. Uh, it wasn't until I started um, doing more with the ADA and you know once I joined a club. That I was able to start asking questions, you know, to more experienced people about what you could and what you couldn't do, um, and I think in the end, I, I optioned up and bought a new rifle. So yeah, well, I've got collection. one more rifle to go. John has tapped out, so why don't you have another one, Ian, and then I'll jump into mine. So this is now my go-to state forest bush hunting rifle, basically, and buffalo rifle, and it's I just love this rifle. So this is the BRS. Oh. Um, there we go. I don't have the I don't have the um, uh, the bolt in it or the slide in it. You call it a bolt? Yes, you call it a bolt. Yeah, the bolt. slide bolt. Just not. I don't a, have it in there at the moment. Bolt. It's still in the safe. Um, but basically, this is the straight pull. Mark will talk more about the specs. Mark's version's customized, as is all of his rifles. But this is how you get it standard out of the box. Um, I love it. It's a good weight. Um, when I first got it. Oh, not sure. Mm. Not sure about that. Um, you know, it's got this funky sort of shape trigger guard, and you know, I thought, oh, they've tried a bit, maybe hard on this. But the more I used it, the more I really liked it. Uh, it's got a really nice weight. It's got a lot of chunkiness in the action, so that it takes a lot of recoil out. Doesn't need a lot of bulk back here, and I don't notice the recoil in it at all. It's this one's in thirty oh six. It's the one I took the young buffalo with last year. It's the one mm-hmm. I'll take back this year. Um, up in the territory, I used an aim point on it. I loved this gun with an aim point. It was so fast. Boom, boom, boom. Like you, you shot just, all the pigs. I shot all, <laughs> shot all the pigs before anyone else had a chance. So I was a bit selfish. Um, but it's just, I mean, it's, it's their new platform. I see that you can now buy the barrel kits have come out yes. now. Yep, you so, can change the, the caliber kits. You yep. know, I don't understand these rules yet, and I'd love that if one of you two understood this, but this is a 3006. On my PTA, it's a 3006. On my weapons list, it's a 3006. How can I buy an, a 9.3 barrel and not 
and and not have it on my PTA because I know it's the action that's that you're licensed. Mm. It's not the barrel, but when I'll make change the caliber, you're changing the caliber. Mm. How do these rules? I don't get these rules, and and it's something we'll have to understand. I've asked a few people, and they don't quite get it either. But it's exciting that we can now this year or next year we go in the territory again. We've got a pig rifle, and then with a couple of screws and a couple of twists, I can swap this out with the 9.3. So you change the bolt base, change the barrel, put your ammo in, off you go. Oh, man, that's such an exciting proposition. I can't. I really hope we have the barrels um, that we can do that with. But, yeah, awesome. very, very, very <laughs> fast. And with the aim point, just so quick to acquire target. I've taken that off now because I went from um, Northern Territory and then into um, the fallow rut um, and into State Forest. This is the Steiner Predator 8. Um, so it's a, a 3 to 16, 2 to 16, sorry. Uh, and so it's got that really nice low power for State Forest and pretty much it stayed on 2 power the whole time um, that I was there. Uh, again, still super quick um, to acquire. Um, I don't know. There's not a lot more I can say about it. It's just an, a really nice concept. I know other people or other brands, I should say, have brought out a straight pull. My first love of straight pulls, and I really, really wanted the Blaza. R8 oh, leather. It's such a that's sexy a beautiful rifle. rifle. That's that's what I had my dreams. Uh, and I was selling all my other rifles, thinking that I could pick one of them up. But this came out, and I thought, wow, this is this is something quite quite cool. There was another um, brand that bought a straight pull. Browning, and Browning put a straight Yeah, well. there's a, a is it the Magal? Oh, I'm not sure. Starts with M. The well. Browning is it? Um, yeah. Merkel, Merkel, Merkel. Yeah, no, well, the Browning's actually the name of the Browning. Browning though, the mini yeah, the Browning. Started, the name of the Browning rifle is an M, something like that. Yeah, and then there's uh, the Merkel as well. Which yeah, is... Merkel. Um, One of them was a bit dodge, from what I remember, and the jury was out on these when they came out as to how they were going to perform. These have got some pretty gnarly stuff in, like in here. All right, if you don't get the slide in properly, you've got yeah. bits of metal flicking up all over the place, and you think you've broken it, but you haven't. You just push them back down and away you go. And you get yeah. used to it. Um, another um, another mate of ours, um, another Mark, that is, he bought one of these. And he, he was a bit concerned about the same things that I was uh, with, with the slide getting it in. But once it's in, it's sweet. Yeah. Um, and I really, I don't know, I just really enjoy this rifle. It's, like I say, it's a good weight. It, it just shoots so well. Um, and I'm using um, Sarko ammunition. Um, I originally set it up with 180s. I think it was 180s. Was 180s? Yes. Pretty sure it was 180s, and it just <laughs> loved them. And then um, I dropped them back to 170s, and it didn't like them at all. So back to the 180s, and that's where it'll stay. Um, looking forward to taking that back to the territory. The Browning is the mar is the Merrill. Merrill, that's it. Uh, tell us about the custom job, Mark. Well, I okay. got better description than I would, but it's um. This one gets polished before it goes to bed. So, Mark, you did say I tapped out, but I've decided I'm not ready to tap out yet. And I have this one to show. Yes. Yeah, I don't know how you would tap out when you've got that in the safe. I really exactly. don't. You know. So that's the uh, Benelli so, Lupo. Which it's is... such. A, it is such a nice so, rifle. So, so, a... I, I didn't mention the fact that I own a Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd save the best for last anyway. But yes, I have the uh, Benetti Lupo in 30.06 with the timber stock. Now, you know, I know you've got the synthetic stock. It, it 
nowhere near as beautiful as that. Yeah, but at no. least at least I've got the kahunas to take it out in the rain, you bloody jackass. <laughs> so yes, that is Mine very very true. Hunting. Um, this one is I'm a little bit protective of. So it is a beautiful rifle, and yes, on Operation Venison, we had a lot of rain on that first night, and it was still raining and foggy on the second morning, and I refused to take the lupo out because I didn't want to get her dirty and messed up in the wet. Um, Unbelievable. It mm. is truly beautiful rifle. You've got to look at it. It's got the um, their proprietary best coating, there, um, which is better than... The uh, Cerakoting, guaranteed not to rust. I think, what has it got? A 20-year warranty on it? Oh, more, more. Um, yeah, that's rust. the super Cerakote stuff they use or whatever. It's not Cerakote, yeah. it's some kind of super duper. It's their own, it's a proprietary yeah. best. Um, but what I love about this is the, um, it's modular. So you can actually adjust the drop of the comb over here. You can, this is fully adjustable. Adjust the length of pull. Mm. So it actually comes with adjusters and spaces that you can adjust it. So I think it's got 150 different, um, don't quote me on that number, but I think it's got about 150 different um, points of adjustment that you can actually make to adjust it perfectly for you. So you buy a rifle and sometimes, you know, you go to a gun shop and you try and you shoulder it and it doesn't fit properly. This one, you just adjust it. It's got the um, the dropout mag that we've been talking about. And I think when you take the mag out and you look at it, yeah, it looks like it's got this a big black shark's tooth mm-hmm. top mouth it's just coming it's just the steel work on it is just so for me i'm i'm in love with this rifle it's ultra modern very different it's not something i thought i would ever be you know but absolutely love this rifle i've got the um the burris signature hd 3 to 15 by 44 on top um and it's just a beautiful rifle so accurate um Video six, this caliber, a caliber I said I would never own. I'm now a complete convert. Yes, I am very protective of this one, and it doesn't go out in the rain. It doesn't go out in the wet. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is going to be my um, red stag rifle for next year, I think. But yeah. heavy. You're, so you just dropped out a sec there. It's going to be your what? Red stag. The raw. I'm going to carry so you're this one. You were taking the 9.3. Changed your mind already. Changed my mind already. Now that I've got her out of the safe. <laughs> now, so this one, while we're at it, it's the same rifle as their synthetic version. Again, I like plastic things over the timber. I'm not a traditionalist like these two. Um, I like to take mine out in the weather. I like to take it out in the snow and the shit and the muck. And I like to put it on the back of the, the ute and do what it needs to do. Um, the stock on this is something quite not like it's it's different to the plastic stocks of the other rifles that I've shown you tonight. Um, it's still really well crafted or molded, I should say. It just feels nice. I, I had um, when we were out on the on the Operation Venison and Adam was with us. He picked it up. He said, "Oh man, that feels good." Like it, it just you can see the hollows in the forestock here. Mm. It it just fits so nicely. So it's just really well made. Um, and for me, it's in 306 as well, um, but I've got the Eliminator 5 on it, which has been a fantastic piece of gear. Still getting used to it, to be honest, but um, really easy to set up and um, just gives you that confidence right out to distance to be able to take some longer-range shots. So looking forward to putting it through its paces a little bit more, but that's my last rifle for the night, by the way. Um, nothing more really to say about it, other than 
well, we talked about the best coating. The one thing I noticed about this rifle when I first got it was how smooth the action was. The action is um, That best coating runs all the way in, um, I think. Yeah, it does. Um, and I could barely barely feel it pick the roundup off the magazine, off the top of the box. It just it was so smooth. So uh, it's quiet. Yeah, it's a beautiful rifle. Um, priced. Um, as I think for what it is, it's actually really well priced. Mm. Yeah, they're not a cheap rifle. They are the Ferrari, but um, yeah, Oof, love it. What have you got, Mark? Lost one. So I've got. A BRX one mm. Beretta, but this is the Minecraft Madness version. So I got a call from Scott at Beretta and said, We want you to do another custom rifle for us. I said, Sure. And I said, oh, But here's, he said, This time it's got to be a BRX and it's got to have an aim point. And I tried to actually not put an aim point on it and he rejected it. So he said, That's nah, got to have aim point. So I said, Okay. And so the first design I did, he said, it's too boring. So we said, okay, sure. So we came up and since my boys at the time were in the Minecraft, it kind of inspired the, so we did like a, a digi, it's a digi uh, pattern, but it's, you know, it's kind of very Minecrafty. So, uh, so a olive, uh, Cerakote on the on the barrel on action, um, but the, and then you've got this two tone here, which is this kind of sand. Because so so we got so because we didn't want the uh, barrel on action to be a big block of color, so that's why it's broken up. So also got the you know a bit of bit of blaze there from the magazine, and then the stock has both the lighter color and the darker color in it. Um, it's in left hand configuration as opposed to ends. And it also is a 308. So this runs the same. Cover that off, Cover that off, Mark, about the left-hand configuration. So I didn't talk about that, yeah. The, 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 one of the benefits of, um, you know, the, the modularization of rifles over the last, say, 15, 20 years, and we've been talking about Tikas, and they really kind of ran with it, where they, if you notice about Tikas, all the bolts are basically the same. It's just the bolt faces are different. Um, that say, you know, they can make things basically, they can mass produce things. The BRX, well, it's a wholly different rifle in design. It's a straight pull. The actual bolt assembly, which moves as the whole assembly, is ambidextrous. So you can pretty easily, it's, it's like minutes, make this a right-hand rifle or a left-hand rifle. You simply are really just changing over the, the handle, bolt and the, handle to whatever the size you yeah. want. That's it. Is. So it's it's left. It's it's not a left hand or right hand rifle. It's actually a whatever you want it to be rifle. And yeah. so it's even made. It's even made in such a way that you can do that in the field with the tip yeah. of a bullet. You don't need a special Listen, tool. That's the right. tip of your bullet pushes the lug in. Pull that bolt handle off. Switch it over. You're done. So, yeah, so, so you could technically pass it around to people and if they're left-handed or right-handed, you can move it around. Mm -hmm. So, and once you get the switch barrels in, you know, you kind of just go, oh, well, you carried a 9.3 today and I'll carry this one and, you know, whatever mm -hmm. you want to do. The money pinks in the morning, I'll go through right. in the or, afternoon, 9.3. If you go out as a group and you go, okay, well, 
today you're on you're on buff. You got the nine point three. Mm-hmm. I take the pigs with the three oh eight or the thirty oh six, and you back me up, and uh, you know yeah. you back and vice versa. So you can just say, okay, you're buff today, and so you take the buff rifle and or the buff caliber, and the other person takes the pig caliber, and if we get pigs, and- you get in on with yeah. I'm looking forward to understanding the reality uh, of uh, swapping the the caliber, uh, yeah. because if it's mm-hmm. as easy as uh, a couple of twists and turns and you've and you've switched it over, would you carry your nine point three in your pack? You know, you see a mob of buffalo up in front of you, you do a bit of a stop and swap. I mean, I know in reality it didn't work that way because everything was so fast in terms of action yeah. up there, but that doesn't always have to be that way. I think more you would you would you would say okay today I'm going to mm. dot 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 yep. agreed. So do you, you think know, you would ever do you think you would ever then have the the lighter caliber in the territory? Why would well, you? Well, in because the territory, I I I I would I would just carry the lighter territory just so you know you would say okay I'm I'm because I mean obviously you can shoot pigs with a 9.3 and you can shoot donkeys with sure. 9.3 mm. but if you have the option to you can you could you could have it so in the morning or whatever it is today's my nine my my buff day so I'm going to set it up as my buff rifle now the times are going to set it up as as a as a, a the non buff rifle I mean you will still shoot a buff with a 308 um but I mean you know, you you just lead off with the right with the caliber you want for the day. It's kind of like taking two rifles. You know, what do you, you think could... about point of impact then? Uh, well, it'd be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, I'm yeah, not that's sure what on it that is. It's yeah, going to be interesting. So many things that like, well, I'm looking forward to to, to trialing it. Mm-hmm. So, but then then that's really just a, a, a question of optics. You would go, okay, yeah, well, you might have you might have. The optics set, and because it's a pick rail, you might have the optics set up for that caliber. So uh, this runs true. You know, yeah, you, you put your go, other, okay, your other, your other third yeah, you just go okay. Yeah. I've got a, you know, I'm going to put the 9.3 optics with the 9.3 barrel and the 9.3 magazine. I'm assuming the magazine will be a different plate because it's got to, obviously. Um, I'm not sure how that'll work. It'd be interesting to see how it all works, but I'm assuming that's what you do. You just change barrel and optics. Exciting possibilities. It is. Yeah. Because, you know, in a way, they're the things that are secondary to the rifle fitting you and you being comfortable with it. That's that's the hard thing that, you know, picking up a different rifle is often it's a different length of pull or a slightly different grip or something like that. Mm-hmm. So it feels different in your hand. Um, you don't feel the barrel. You don't feel the action as it were. You certainly don't feel the caliber until it lets go. But so the rifle, you could be quite comfortable with that rifle and then you, you're simply just shooting a different caliber out of it. Yeah, swap the said, barrel, Scott, swap the bolt, yeah. swap the optics, put Whatever a big piece of rubber on the back of it for the 9.3 and you're away. I actually find the 9.3 is... I don't think it kicks very hard. Nothing. <laughs> it's nothing. In fact, Pretty- I, Peter, you know, Peter Ryan said... Years ago, to me, when I was talking about it, he said nine point three is just a three seven five after a couple of rums. You know, just a bit more relaxed. It's funny because just... uh, a lot of people get punchy when they drink rum. Well, that's an after a couple of rums. He said after didn't isn't a, when you get a fair way down, just more relaxed. It's that stage yeah. where you're more relaxed. Just you that so, feels that, Ian. Uh, I'd be all right, mate. I'll I'll, um, I'll harden up. I'll, I'll 
I'll I'll learn from you, fella. So one day you'll get them. The, I've actually just got a video out about shooting this. So this is set up for a hundred yard gun, or at the moment. So this is my, this will be my Pilliger gun. This is the goat and and pig buster. Goats and pigs. This is just a goat set up for a hundred with the aim point. I've got it tuned very nicely for a hundred. Um, Scott was telling me there's a new aim point though, out that you can dial out to 800. So mm -hmm. it's a, it's, it's a military one. So but the same idea. So, yeah. but what it is, is it's got a, um, a, uh, like a um index turret like say you know like other like loophole where you can send them you can say here's my ammo and mm -hmm. that stuff like that and they create the the custom oh, the turret for the, you the diopter whatever it's called yeah. the turret so you know the yeah. turret they set it out so you know the clicks and stuff like that well there's a turret that you can get for that particular aim point that they again it's a custom turret out to 800 so you just kind of go dial it out with no magnification, that'll be interesting. No magnification. So, well, it's a military thing, so it's like, you know, yeah. just red dot You're on... trying to shoot the on, side of a tank. Well, red dot on oh. bad person. <laughs> How do you see the person at 800? At 800 metres, naked eye. Yeah. What's his name? Oh, for sure. effect. <laughs> That's what... Well, we used to shoot um, uh, out to 1,000 with, um, you know, uh, in... What was called full bore with a um mm -hmm. aperture sight, but yeah, it's... I've done Bisley out to the national gun, yeah, whoever they are. Um, QRA in Queensland, QRA, QRA, QRA in Warwick has got an 800 meter yeah. range, yeah. yeah well, I used to shoot, I used to shoot what they call full bore competition, which is was once upon a time three or threes, but came through our weights, yeah, and no, true, you yeah. use aperture sights yeah. and you shoot out to. A thousand, and then there's a another range out to fourteen hundred. Yeah, I've done that at Bisley. Yeah, but yeah, you say yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I mean, once upon a time, that's what how everyone used to shoot. We were all just got too soft that we want a couple <laughs> telescopes on top. But yeah, so this is uh, again, this is the Minecraft madness. It's it it's a bit of a it's a tack driver, that's for sure. But I mean, it should be. It's a really nice rifle, and it's in a good yep. caliber. So it's just about getting the optics right. And as I said, I've got this set up for a um, hundred yards, shooting pigs and goats. Those aim points are incredible. And uh, I, yeah, um, I. So the in the video that's uh, we dropped a couple of days ago, um, I'm actually not using a one of the things. So had some feedback and it was that if you if I had used the aim point paper, I would have been on time. Yeah. I would have been on I would have been on quicker. Because it's, mm. First it's thing used, I <laughs> it has the right it has the right um you know the the right, right size. Yeah. But yeah I just use a standard target. Thing I noticed about these inferior thermals is they have a um a freeze frame um option. So you put your target out in front of you, you set your rifle up, you shoot and it's like left and up, right? You freeze frame, and you just go drr, drr, and dial. You just just like that, okay. and then you're done. Piece of cake. Yeah, 
So nice. do they actually pick up the shot, the thermal? Yeah. Because yeah. I, I was trying to do, I was trying to film that at the range, and I couldn't do it. Yeah, I was trying yeah. to film when what? I was uh, I was reviewing the Zeiss. I was trying to f- film if I could get the heat, the difference in heat signature when the Bridget, you Brad know, the, hit the paper. Yeah, so the way to do it, the way to do it is to um, is to um, uh, laminate your target. So it's going. Oh through yeah, the yeah. So it's uh-huh. so, so so retain some heat. kind of heat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that, that's a good idea. It does as well, but it disappears in front of your eye. You can see yeah. it disappear. With the with the thermal scopes, they come with a little heat pad, little heat pad squares. So you just you know um, shake them up and you put them on the target. And then when you go back, all you see is the heat blob, uh, and you shoot at the heat blob. But when you shoot, it hits the target here, and then yeah, you hit the freeze frame button, and then you just dial and adjust, and then oh no, yeah, you just dial and adjust, and it brings it back perfectly to where you were. There you go. It's a very smart way to do very it because smart. it's electronic. It can freeze your frame, mm. freeze your shot, and you just very adjust clever. it. Yeah, quite cool. So, have so a they're, the, they're the three rifles from me, all 30 cows. I, I, as I said, I do intend to own a, um, uh, another 22 soon. It's on its way. I did have a 223. I sold it. Um it was a really nice two to three. I just didn't use it that often. So yeah, just, yeah. that's it. Gets like that. For mm. sure. All right. Well, hopefully that's helped a little bit. It's just uh, horses for courses, various different rifles for different uh, for different situations. Um, I know it's interesting when you start this out. You think, oh, I'll get I'll get a rifle, and then it's like, oh, I need another one, and I need another one, and I need another one, and do you need another one? Well. Probably not, but uh, it sort of comes down to you know, you know, you can have you can have three of the same caliber set up in completely different ways for different functions. Huh. Um, so you know, it's sort of a question about why not if you're funded to do it. Some um, something you can and and should do. Mucking around with um, with the optics that are on on your rifle once they're all zeroed in and perfect for what you're doing is a real shame. Like I don't like doing it. Once everything's perfectly dialed in at I the range, I do not like changing. I really, it. really don't like swapping things around just for the sake of it. Even bullets, um, even rounds, don't like changing it. No, wow, no, a, Jesus, no, I'm always, I'm always, man. I think that. Um, well, I think the the so I think the thirty oh six has had five scopes on it. Mm. Yeah. Came with a started life with the Lupo um, VX3, and that was the old VX3 that was Roman numeral threes. Mm, I remember that one. VX3. Then I went to a VX3 1.25 to five. That that their little dangerous game one, the famous dangerous game one. Then I went to a um, another Lupo. I uh, went to the that uh, VX5 what that I broke. Broke. <laughs> I broke. Yeah, I remember that. And there was a Suara was in there somewhere as well. <laughs> Suara. I think I went from the the Lupo Dangerous Game to the Suara Dangerous Game, and then I bought a uh, a um the 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 Lupo that I broke, and now I'm running the Steiner on it. So close out. No, I keep changing all the time. <laughs> Yeah, Once I find to. something that works, I I keep it. I like when you it. break it, you got to fix it. That's nothing. Yeah. <laughs> just the way it goes. Um, uh, one last thing before we 
before we wrap up, um, made a couple of changes to the website. Uh, we've now got our pre-blooded gear page up, which is gear that we've used. It's in good condition that um, we don't have a use for uh, anymore. So it's up on that page if you want to go and have a look at it. We'll keep populating that up with some bits and pieces that we've got. You'll find anything from uh, knives to Hennessy hammocks to packs to all sorts of different things that we've trialed and and, um, and need to move on. So if you're looking for a bargain, go over there and have a look. Um, shoot us a message. You might even get a deal out of us. So um, yeah, that's that. And um, in terms of used gear, well, some of my stuff's not even used. It just went, man. Yeah. Well, the pack that I've chucked up there has had one use as a transit bag. It didn't even get used as a pack. So not really. It's uh, pretty much brand new. Anyway, that was out on the website. Anything else, fellas? Are we good? We're done? No, I think it's a cracker. I think we're good. We're done. All right. Good stuff. Thanks, fellas. Chat to you soon. See you guys. See ya. Bye.